We are in the middle of, uh, just, I'll just say, just started last week in a new series uh, that we call Unlocking Easter. And what we're looking at is um, some evidences, some key factors to what it looks like or why we should put our, our hope in and our security in uh, the facts of, not just the feelings of, not just because somebody told me so, but the facts of uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, last week we, we looked at the evidence, not just uh, what we were heard or told or grew up going to Sunday school, you know, listening to, but the, but the scientific and even the, you know, the, the medical evidence to, to support um, what was accounted for, what was written about um, on the cross. And uh, we then looked at something that probably, you know, took a little bit more spiritual eyes uh, to, to see. And that was the, what we looked at in Scripture of what happened. Where did Jesus go after, you know, he took his last breath, after he made the, the proclamation that it is finished? And where did he go? Well, the Scripture tells us that he went down to the heart of the earth. And, and he went, when he went down to the heart of the earth, he took the keys of death. And of hell, that's what he did. He, he, he took the keys and it, it, Peter tells us that he heralded victory. You know, uh, it, so what they, what they believed was what the you know, powers and principalities and darknesses of this world, which is again, these are hard things to, to see and understand, but these are supported in scripture and, and that he heralded victory and he took the keys of death in the, in the grave. But not only that, but he went to the paradise side of Hades and he led those who were in the paradise Paradise side to a better place, a place in heaven, the place where the where the heavenly where, where our heavenly Father is, and Jesus said, a place where you can go and be with me also. And so this is, I mean, this is the gospel. This is the beauty of it. This is the fact that when you put your faith in what Jesus did, when you put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, that He paved the way. He made a way for you and for me to have eternal life. That is a critical element. The death of Jesus is a critical element to support a resurrected Jesus. And so we're going to um, pick it up in, the, in sort of the, the narrative of the, of the story, um, and we're going to look at a couple guys. And, and have, how many of you ever had uh, times where you thought about, you know, this? What would have happened if? Have you ever had that thought before? Maybe you've had the conversation with people that you, that you, you know, spend time with a lot or, you know, maybe a relationship, marriage relationship, or, you know, you, maybe you look at a circumstance in your life and you think, ask yourself that question or you talk with that person and you ask the question, what would have happened if, you know, I didn't go here and you didn't go there? Oftentimes it has to do with like how you and your spouse met maybe or how you got into, you know, a relationship with somebody. Like, don't you look back at that story and go, man, isn't it sort of strange, the circumstances of, that surround of how we got to where we are today? Isn't it interesting as you look back at your life and you go, man, what would have happened to my life if I didn't, you know, and, and maybe we look at it in small things like, you know, if I didn't get caught in that traffic light, or maybe if I wasn't running late, you know, you like, you, you think in those terms, like maybe that would have been me. You know, maybe that would have been something that would that I, you know, that would happen to me if I didn't, you know, get held up here, or if I didn't show up early there, or if I didn't meet this person, none of this. And so we look at things in our life and we look at circumstances in our life, and we oftentimes, I know I do, and maybe you don't, but I do. What would have happened if? What would have happened 
if. Well, here in this story, as we look at the, uh, the story of a couple guys, here's where we're going to pick it up in the story. And, we're gonna, and I just want to share what ha- actually happened, but then I want to share with you what would have ha- happened if they didn't do this. So a couple guys here in the story, in John chapter 19, started in verse 38. After these things, so after Jesus, Jesus died, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, <clears throat> being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and he took away uh, the, the body. And then, and then it says, so here we are introduced to this, this guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Just to, just to get a better understanding of, of, of who Joseph of Arimathea is, Matthew writes this about him in, in, in Matthew. Matthew says this, when it was evening, so this is Matthew's account of, of the same, same circumstance. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea. So Matthew says he wasn't just like, you know, just any other guy. Like he was rich. Like Matthew wanted you to know and me to know that he was a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who himself also became a disciple of Jesus. Well, John tells us that he was a disciple of Jesus, but he was a secret uh, disciple uh, of Jesus. And then, and, so, and then it says this. It says, And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. So we now learn from, still from Matthew, that Joseph, rich, rich Joseph, we'll, we'll just call him Crazy Rich Joe, is that fine? Crazy Rich Joe, what had, he went out and he purchased a, a, his own new tomb. It was, it was his own tomb for, that he purchased. And then, then look what it says, look what it says in verse 60. Or, and then Nicodemus, who was also first came by him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds of weight. And so we now have you know, two guys at the scene who is who's taking care of the body of Jesus. We have crazy rich Joe, and we have Nick at night. All right, that's what we got. Nicodemus, who first came to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. So they came, so you have Crazy Rich Joe and you have Nick at night and they came to prepare the body. That's what they came to do and they laid it into the tomb that Rich Joe purchased and he put Jesus' body, wrapped it in a linen cloth, Nicodemus prepared it the way that Jews prepared the body and they laid Jesus, his dead body, and they would have had an opportunity to observe the body because they were, you know, they were secret disciples of Jesus, according to Matthew and John. They were able to identify that he was really dead, and they laid him into a tomb. Now, what would have happened if they didn't do that? What would have happened if Rich Joe and Nick at Night didn't take the, you know, the opportunity? To lay, to prepare Jesus' body and put Jesus' body into a tomb purchased by Joseph of Arimathea. Well, here's what would have happened. What would have happened was, is that they would have done to Jesus' body what they did to everybody else's bodies who were crucified. They would have taken after a couple days on the cross, they would have gotten around to taking the bodies down off of the cross, dead you know, corpses off of the cross, 
place the bodies into some sort of cart or wagon, and then they would lead, lead those bodies, those dead bodies, into a garbage dump that Jesus talked about in, in, earlier in the Gospels that Jesus talked about called Gehenna. Gehenna. As a matter of fact, Jesus compared this, this garbage dump to hell. He, he, he said that this, this is like a, he, he gave the analogy or the metaphor of this garbage dump, Gehenna, being like hell, like what hell is, is, is like. That's what they would have done to Jesus' body. Now, that would have been a different approach to the songs that we sing, wouldn't it? Because Jesus, is, Jesus still would have resurrected, but he would have resurrected out of a garbage dump with garbage all over him, stench beyond what you can even imagine, and rat bites all over his body. Now, that would have been, you know, pretty significant as he's showing up in town, you know, after walking out of Gehenna. That would have been pretty significant, but it, wasn't, it, it, but it would have been explainable, wouldn't it have been? What people would have thought was, he didn't actually die. What people would have thought was, man, he really is tough as nails. That they, he hung on the cross for days. They took his body to Gehenna and he walked out of Gehenna. Man, but let me tell you something. The evidence that supports the burial of Jesus and the tomb that which he was placed in far outweighs the, what could have been easily explained that he actually didn't die, that he survived the crucifixion and he walked out of a garbage dump. But if it wasn't for crazy rich Joe and Nick at night, we now have better songs to sing, don't we? So give it up for Crazy Rich Joe and Nick and I for allowing us to talk about the fact that there is a grave, the burial of death and an empty tomb and he walked out of the grave and he walked out of the tomb. It's much better and it gives so much greater evidence. There's so much greater support of evidence, the fact that he truly, truly died. He truly died and he was placed in a tomb. So, so Joe and, and Nick, they prepared his, his, his body. They put him in the tomb. And you know what happened to them? Now, here's what's so a key. So we're talking about unlocking Easter. Here's a key for those that maybe question Christianity. I don't know if anybody here in this room is questioning Christianity. I'm not really sure. But I know the people that you work with question Christianity. I know the people that you see, you know, your neighbors that you live next to, they sometimes question Christianity. I know the people that you do life with. I know that you have family members that are at home today, you know, that, that are questioning Christianity, but let me tell you something. There is key evidence that supports it. And here's one example. Here's one example. Here are two guys, Joe, Joseph of Arimathea, Nick, Nicodemus, who they were the ones who were private followers of Jesus, but they decided that after what they saw on the cross, that they were going to now become public. They went from a private to a public follower of Jesus. When everyone else, and this is, you need to understand this, this is so important. When you're, so when you're having a conversation, a loving, healthy, 
you know, conversation with people that don't know Christ, the people that you work with because you're engaging with them because you know that they need to know Jesus and so you're doing everything in your power to engage in those people. So when you're, when you're talking about this, you, you should say to them something along these lines. Did you know the people that prepared the body of Jesus were once followers of, or, or private followers of Jesus, but they became public followers of Jesus and they had everything to lose and they weren't even the guys that spent three and a half years with him. When everybody else, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, you know, you can go on and on and on. His own mother for crying out loud, come on. His own mother was like nowhere to be found. Listen, if these were the guys these were the guys that said, you know what? What we saw is what we believe. And they decided they went from private follower of Jesus to a public follower of Jesus. And you know what they sacrificed? And this is not even going to be anything significant. This is not going to be anything significant at all to, to you and to me. But to those who uh, first century Christians, when the church began, as they're reading the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know what they're going to think about? They're going to think about what, what, what Joseph and what Nicodemus sacrificed. You know what they're going to think about? They're going to think about they, they touched the dead body of Jesus and they could, and this is not even going to be anything significant to you, but it was massive to first century Christians. They couldn't participate in the Passover. They, because they handled the dead body of Jesus, they, were, they disqualified themselves from, from participating in the Passover. People came from all over the place to go to Jerusalem on the time when Jesus was sacrificed, not because they knew Jesus was going to be sacrificed, but because it was Passover. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, by the way, Pharisees, who were professional Judaism religious leaders. It, it, they were even greater than that. You know what they were a part of? They were a part of a council called the Sanhedrin. And, and you're saying, oh, I, yeah, I know the Sanhedrin. Let me just explain it to you, to those that don't know. The Sanhedrin were made up of 70 Jewish religious leaders, mostly Pharisees. And the Sanhedrin were responsible for putting into motion the crucifixion of Jesus. These two guys, Crazy Rich Joe, Nick at Night, were on that council. Not only were they religious leaders, which their job, you know what their job was? Just to be good, just to be good. If you asked a Pharisee, what is your job? I do good, that's what I do. I just do good. That's what my job is. My job is just to do the best, uh, you know, to do as good as I can be so that I can hear from God, so that I can get a word from God. That's what they sacrificed. They went from private disciple of Jesus to now a public disciple of of Jesus, and they sacrificed so much. When everyone else, Peter, James, John, the list goes on, when everybody else was hiding, when everybody else was being a coward, Nicodemus and Joseph from Arimathea, they were courageous. They were courageous. Not only that, but they it was almost like there was a purpose to their preparation. 
There was almost like a providential purpose in the terms that we think of when we think about what would have happened if. Don't you look at that and go, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, don't you look at that as what would have happened if this didn't happen or what would have happened if this happened? And don't we look at those in terms and go, wow, was that providential? Wow, wasn't that orchestrated in such a way that I couldn't have done that myself? I couldn't have manipulated myself. I couldn't have twisted the circumstances to to the point of where I could have made that work out. It had to have been from God. And they acted as if their preparation for the dead body of Jesus was on purpose. That there was a divine, providential plan happening that they just must have felt that they were a part of something bigger. So how do, how do they get there? How do they get to that place? How does a couple Pharisees, a couple guys that are on the, you know, the Sanhedrin council, how do they get to the place where they were private followers of Jesus, but now they become public followers of Jesus. What got them to that place? What got them to the place where they realized that what they were doing in, in their life, and not just in the, maybe in the burial preparation, but maybe in their whole life, what did they realize was happening? Or what did they, what did they you know, glean from that made them realize that there was a purpose behind their preparation? What made them do that? What was it? Well, we have to go to the origin story. I, don't you love origin stories? I, I'm, I'm a Marvel geek. I love these Marvel movies, and they talk about these origin stories, you know, of the characters, and you, know, you sort of get their backstory. Well, there's an origin story. There's a backstory to, to these guys, okay? And you probably have heard it before, but let's look at the backstory because maybe that will give us a better understanding of why they went from private to public, and why they thought why they thought and lived that there was maybe purpose to what they were doing. Let's, let's maybe help us, help us under, find it here. So uh, this is found in John uh, chapter, chapter 3. Now there was, a man, uh, man, uh, uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. So in other words, what that means is like he was a part of this council uh, that oversaw the Jews. He was like a senator. This man came to Jesus by night. Why? Because he was at this time, he was still sort of, you know, questioning and wanting to understand, you know, Jesus. And here's what he says. He says, he came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we, so he's coming as like a representative. He's coming as not just me. It's not just me that's curious, but there's a small faction of people within our group of Pharisees that are questioning the, your validity. That we're, we're questioning whether you know, you're who you claim to be. And here's why they would question that. That we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So they're recognizing that Jesus is doing something pretty spectacular and miraculous. And they're watching Jesus perform these signs. They're watching, you know, Jesus, you know, love people. And they're, watch, they're listening to Jesus teach. And his teachings are different than what their teachings would be. And so there's this little faction of Pharisees, 
part of the Sanhedrin council, that they're questioning and they want answers. They want to know what Jesus has to say about certain things. And so Jesus does what Jesus always does and that before anybody can ask the question, he answers it. It was so frustrating for people that anytime somebody had a question for Jesus, he would give like a story and they would have to scratch their heads and think about the story to understand you know, the answer that he was given. But he would always give an answer before they could even ask the question. So here's what Jesus says in verse number three. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, here, here, listen, listen, listen. And here is the question for Nicodemus and, and Joseph of Arimathea and maybe some of other small factions of, of religious leaders. Here is their question. Who gets to see the kingdom of heaven? In other words, how do I know that I'm in right standing with God? How is it that, that, that I can know that God is, you know, not mad at me? How is it can I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm living my life in the way that God wants me to live my life? This was the question. How is it, how is it, that was their question. And I'm sure that, you know, poor Nicodemus, he probably, you know, he was probably the, the guy that drew the short straw that had to go at night to go and see Jesus and, you know, and ask him these questions. And if anybody found out that Nicodemus went to go see Jesus, you know, this would be trouble for them, you know, and so they were private, remember? Joseph of Arimathea was private, why? Because he feared the Jews. He feared what people would think about him. And so he comes to Jesus at night and he's probably got his question formulated just in the exact way that he wants to ask Jesus and Jesus you know, answers the question before he can even ask it. And then it throws him off. Jesus' answer completely throws him off. He's now thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 what, what, what do you say? Look at, and, and we know this because look at his response. Look at his response, verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Isn't that real? I mean, think of these terms, church, church. I know you've been a Christian for a long time and you've heard born again, born again. And immediately when I said born again, you kind of checked out. You're like, I know what born again means, you know, listen. They didn't hear. This is radical for them. Imagine you walking and finding Jesus at night, living a certain way, living what you think is, makes God happy, living in a way that you think that you're going to see the kingdom of heaven by, the, by, by the, what you do. Can you imagine, can you imagine that him hearing, well, you need to be born again. And he's like, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born, can he? I mean, come on, put yourself in that situation. Born again, what is he talking? And so then Jesus says this, listen, listen, verse six, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So you, when you were born, your flesh is born to flesh. Like dogs are born to dogs. Cats are born to cats, you know? Birds are born to birds. We, you know, he get, and so he's like, flesh is, is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so Jesus is saying, listen, listen, listen. Here's how you can know you can see the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying to Nicodemus is this. You need to be born again. Not in the way that you, flesh is born to flesh. That already happened for you. But you can have, you can have, and this is important, you can have a spiritual birth. 
You can have a spiritual rebirth that, that Paul later on, he's like, I'm, I'm going to write it in a way that people can maybe understand it. Paul later on wrote it in this way. He says, I, you, you know what happens to you when you put your faith in Jesus? You know what happens to you? You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are brand new. You are reborn spiritually. You take on the DNA of a holy, loving, heavenly Father, that the, that, the, that the chains and the oppression of sin that is given to you, passed along to you through sin from flesh to flesh, you get to now get regenerated, reborn into the spirit of God. And that's what you take on. Isn't that good news, everybody? It's called the gospel. It is good news. That's why it's called the gospel. So Jesus then says to him this, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. This guy's like completely like scratching his head going, what in the world is he talking about? You heard it before, but he's scratching his head. Verse nine, Nicodemus is still just bewildered. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? In verse 10, Jesus answered back to him. Jesus answered and said to him, are you are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? I love Jesus' like little jabs, right? Like you're a Pharisee. You're on the Sanhedrin council and you don't understand what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about spiritual things, it's like over your head. Come on, Nick at night. I don't know if he said it that way, but that's what I would have said. And so Jesus said, okay, 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 okay. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the, the, an explanation or I'm gonna give you an illustration of what this looks like. I wanna give you an illustration. Now, no, no. For you and for me, we're going, huh? What? Why would he say that? That's kind of weird. And we read this and we're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But for Nicodemus, it was like, oh, I get this. Oh, I'm that makes sense to me. So Jesus said this. Here's what he said to them. Now, this is more understandable for Nicodemus than it is for us, but I'll do my best to explain. As Moses, so as soon as a a Pharisee heard as Moses, they're like, I'm, I'm with this. What Moses said, I got. What Moses did, I studied it. From the time that I was, that I could learn to read until I was an adult, I know what Moses said and did, I'm on it. So Jesus said, I'll give you an example. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now you're going, huh? But Nicodemus is going, hmm. You're going, ah, what? That's weird. Serpents, wilderness, what? I, I, don't, I didn't read that in the Old Testament. But Nicodemus is going, okay. And here's the story. Here's the story. Crazy story, crazy story. So the Israelites are in the wilderness, and they're wandering around for 40 years. You know that story, right? You've been in Sunday school long enough to know that. Okay, wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. One night, there were some, some snakes, some venomous snakes came into their camp. And as these venomous snakes, snakes came into their camp, they started biting women, men, children, And these men and women and children were dying, were dying. 
And they were, they were, the venom was kicking in and they were dying. And so God, Moses prays to God and Moses says, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some bronze, however they did this, melt down some bronze, and I want you to form, I want you to, you know, to make a snake out of this bronze. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to put this serpent or put this snake on a pole, and I want you to lift up that pole. That's what I want you to do. I know, weird, huh? Weird, right? But for Nicodemus, he's like, yeah, I've heard this all. My, you know, this is as a kid. This is the book that I read. My parents read me this story. You know, it helped me go to sleep at night. You know, and he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with him, with it. So that's what what they're talking about. Now, then God God said this to to the uh, Israel nation nation of Israel. Those of you that got bit by the venomous snake, when you lift up that bronze snake put on that pole, those that look at it will live. Those of you, those that got bit, those of you that let the the venom, you know, were bit by the snake on their deathbed, moments away from dying, when you erect that pole and people look at it, they will be healed. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, just as when people were bit by the venom of the snakes, that the Son of Man, that the Son of Man will, will be lifted up. That the Son of Man will be, will be lifted up. And he says, so that whoever believes, now this is again, this is again, Nicodemus is going, no, no, don't you mean behaves? And Jesus would go, no, 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 I mean believes. And Nicodemus would go, no, 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 my whole faith is based on behave. My whole faith is based on what I get to see God, those that get to see God is based on my behavior. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's based on belief. And those that believe will in him have eternal life. And so Nicodemus probably goes back to Joseph of Arimathea and says, hey, rich man, you wouldn't believe what he said. He gave an analogy about being born again, and then he told us that just as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, that the Son of Man will be lifted up, and then they're going, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Because this was early on in Jesus' ministry. And then later on, not too long you know, after that, there was a, a group of his people, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, the group of their people, that were gathered together, and they wanted to arrest Jesus. They wanted this Jesus thing to be over. They wanted it to be over. And there was some division going on amongst them. And we're going to read it in John chapter number 7 real quick. And he says, Other, others were saying this. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? So they're dissing on where Jesus grew up. They're completely, you know, mocking where he, where he was raised, you know. And he says, surely the Christ isn't going to come from a place called Galilee, is he? And in, in the verse 42, look at it says, he says, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem? So we know that, right? We knew that, right? From Bethlehem, the village where David was? Verse 43. So a division occurred 
in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. So they wanted to bring him in at this point, but nobody seized him because they were listening to him talk, and they're like, he was pretty incredible, and everybody was around him. There was always, there's always a large crowd around Jesus. Everybody was around him, and we just couldn't do it. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. Then look what happens in verse 50. Look what happens. Nicodemus, he who came to him before being one of them, so Nick at night, said to them, our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? So Nicodemus is like kind of trying to stick up for him, but he's still kind of private in his faith. And look what they answered him. Verse 52. They answered him, so the other group of Sadducees, and, or excuse me, the other group of Pharisees, and the other group of the Sanhedrin, they answered him and said, you are not also from Galilee, are you? So they're, so they're like, like, kind of poking at, like making fun of him. Like, you're not from that place, are you? And, and he's like, no, no. And then look what he says. Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. And so you know what I think happened? Now, I'm just going to conjecture for a minute. I'm just gonna, we're just going to just, just think creatively and imagine some things, okay? You know what I think happened to Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea? They did exactly that. They searched. They searched. They searched. And they saw. They searched. And then they saw. You know what they had access to? The ability to to search. They had access to the laws and the prophets. They were Pharisees. They were experts at it. They knew it. They understood it. They read it. Anything that involved Moses, they, they, they heard. They were taught. They read. And so they searched. You know what I think that they searched? Here's what I think that they searched. They searched Isaiah 53. I bet you they went and looked at Isaiah 53 that talked about you know, the, the coming of who the Christ would be, who to look for. And here's what, they, here's what they probably found when they searched. 700 years before Jesus was even born. Remember this. 700 years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah prophesied about what, what the Christ would look like. And he said this. That he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening or the punishment or the discipline for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. And then they read on probably in verse 6 and said this. All of us are like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And you know what they're probably thinking as they're from a distance, observing what happened to Jesus on the cross at Golgotha? You know what they're probably thinking at this point? He was pierced. He was crushed. He was scorched. 
And I'm like a sheep that goes, goes astray. I don't want anybody to know it. I don't want anybody to, that to be exposed in my life. But I'm like a sheep that is, goes astray. And I go to my own wicked ways. But what I saw happened at, on the cross is exactly what Isaiah said would happen on the cross. I bet you on that day that Jesus was suspended up into the air, hanging on that Roman cross, what came to Nicodemus's mind and what came to Joseph of Arimathea's mind is just as Moses suspended the serpent in the air and those that looked on it were healed. Those that were bit by the venomous snake. In other words, here's what they put together. Those that were bit by the venomous sin, those that look at him, those that believe in him will be saved, will be born again, will have eternal life because of him. I bet you the light went on in their heads. I bet you the light came on in their, in their hearts that said, he's the one, and it's not about behaving. It's not about doing. It's about believing in him. And we can be, and Nicodemus and Joseph and Arimathea said, and I can be born again and have eternal life. Just for fun, just for fun. I bet you, I bet you, let's just, let's just pretend for a second, just pretend. I bet you they kept reading in Isaiah 53. Nicodemus, imagine, Nicodemus and Joe, Nick at night, crazy rich Joe, they're sitting there and they're reading Isaiah. And I bet you they came to verse nine. Look what it says in verse nine. I bet you they came to verse nine. His grave was assigned with wicked Men. And Joseph and, 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 and Nick go, we're wicked men. We, we are wicked men. And look what it said. Yet he was with a rich man in his death. And I bet you Nicodemus pointed over at crazy rich Joe and said, you're rich. Maybe. Sure. You're rich. Maybe we're assigned to the grave. Maybe that God has purposed in our life to prepare the dead body of Jesus because we're wicked men. And Joe, you're a rich man. And maybe 700 years prior to him even being born of a virgin, in a little town called Bethlehem. Oh, and by the way, by the way, I bet you they had an interview or, or sat down with Matthew, not an interview, but more of a casual conversation with Matthew. And they're like, hey, Matthew, do you know anything about the genealogy of Jesus? Nicodemus and Joe are asking Matthew this. And Matthew goes, yeah, I'm working on that right now. I'm working out the genealogy of Jesus. It's amazing. It is incredible. Did you know that both Joseph, his, his earthly father, his legal father, and Mary, you know, his, 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 his biological mother, did you know that they both came from the line of David? Isn't that amazing? 
Nicodemus and Joe. Isn't that incredible? And Nicodemus and Joe are going, yeah, everybody kept saying that he's from Galilee, but I knew that he had to have been born in Bethlehem. And they said, yeah, of course he was born in Bethlehem. Yeah, he was born there. Yeah, he, he, he was raised in Galilee, but he was born in Bethlehem. And Matthew's going, I'm going to write all about it. I'm going to write every single name. And, 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 and Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea are probably going to Matthew, well, don't include Tamar in there because that's a sketchy story. And Matthew's going, no, 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 no. I'm including Tamar in that story. And then Nicodemus and Joe are going, well, don't include Rahab in that story because you know what she's called. And you don't, don't include her. And Matthew's going, that's exactly who I'm including in that story. And then, the, and then he goes on and probably goes, don't include Jeconiah. And, and, and you're going, Jeconiah, that was a weird turn. But you need to do a study on Jeconiah. I'll just leave it at that. But Nicodemus and Joe are going, Jeconiah, don't put Jeconiah in the lineage of Jesus. And Matthew's going, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to say that Solomon came from David and their mother was Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife. That's what I'm going to do. And Nicodemus and Joe are going, no, this is going to look bad. And Matthew's going to go, no, that's the point. That he came not because of what we behave, how we behave, but he came because of what we believe. He came because he came for wicked people like you and me. That's why he came. He came for sinners. And Nicodemus, you can be as good as you think you can be, but it's never good enough. But you don't ever have to try to be good enough. All you have to do is believe. Just as Moses raised up the serpent, the Son of Man will be raised up and he will die for your transgressions. He will be scourged for your iniquities. The transgressions, the iniquities of us all will be upon him and by his wounds we will be healed. It is belief in him. Man, what news that is for all of us. What if what if you really believed that he resurrected? Come on, can we be honest for a minute? What would be different about us? What should change in our life if we truly believe that Jesus took the penalty of sin and death for us, went down to the grave and took the keys of death and hell for, for you and for me so that you and I can know what it means to have eternal life, so that you and I can know what it means to see the kingdom of God. What if you lived your life in such a way that you believe that he truly resurrected? What should change? What should change in your life? What should change in your life if you truly, truly believe that you were born again through a resurrected Jesus? What should change in your life? That you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. What should be different about us? How should that look at our jobs and at our schools and in our, with our, in our neighborhoods and, and with our family? What should that look like to those who are received a spiritual birth? How should that be different? How, how would we live? 
if we really, really, truly believed that we were given the grace of eternal life. What should be different about us? Shouldn't it? Church, come on. Shouldn't it be different? He really resurrected. And there are critical key evidences to that. And we'll break it all down, but here's the truth. Here's the hard truth. I don't need to convince you. I don't need to convince you. But who need to be convinced are those that still need to be born again. Those that need to be convinced are those that still need to know what it means to have eternal life. Are you with me? And that should make us, listen to me, listen to me, that should make us no longer become private followers of Jesus, but now public followers of Jesus. It's what changed everything for Nick and Joe. It changed everything for them. They, they searched and they saw. I challenge you to search. I challenge you to see Jesus. And it will radically change your life. To where too many of us, too many of us are private disciples of Jesus. Come out. He's alive. You're born again. You are going to heaven. Get out of the darkness. Come out of the night. Let everybody know I know Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me. He was beaten, scourged, ridiculed, mocked, pierced. Why? Why did he do that? Because of some obscure verse that Jesus told Nicodemus the night that Jesus visited him, or when Nicodemus visited Jesus that night, some verse that we don't, has never withstood the test of time over 2,000 years. I'm just kidding. It's this verse. For God so loved the world. Nicodemus is going, he told me this. He told me why he's going to do it. But I don't know. I'm going to tell John later to write it down when he talks about Jesus. But I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't know if it's going to, hey. But it's, it's stuck. Don't you think? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal Stop being a private disciple of Jesus. Church, listen to me. Stop. Be bold. Be courageous. Not obnoxious. Not overbearing. But just share what he's done for you. Not what they're not, but what he's done for you. Not what they aren't, but what he's done for you. Not where they fall short, but what he's done for you. And people will see that. Oh, it isn't by my good merits. I, I don't have to be good. I just have to know God. I just have to believe in God. That's where I, my salvation comes from. It's called grace that was given to me. I want to live for him because he extended this love and grace to me. 
Because God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. Come on out. Let's go public. Let's go public, Market Street Church. Let's go public. And I'm telling you, if we go public, it will explode. If we all just decided, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going public. My, from this day forward, this time forward, I'm going, I'm going all out. I'm going, I'm being more courageous. I'm going to be more bold. I'm going to be more just enthusiastic about my faith. I'm coming out public. It will explode. It will. Nick, at night, crazy rich Joe taught me that. Father, we, uh, for too, too much, too many times, too often, boy, we're private. We're private. We're afraid of what other people think, what other people say, what other people do or how act or treat us. But I just pray, Lord, here and now with the with the working of the Spirit of God, the working of the Spirit of God that has regenerated us and changed us and allowed us to be reborn into your family, that we'll start to be a little bit more public. We'll start to be a little bit more bold, courageous, more inviting, more inviting to what you've done for us. God, I just ask those maybe are here today, Lord, in this room right now, here and right now, that need to be born again. I pray, Lord, that right here, right now, in their seat, that they know that they can be born again, not flesh to flesh, but spirit to spirit. A rebirth, a spiritual birth into your family as you are our perfect heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that they receive you into their heart. They confess their sin, the sin that put them to death. But the remedy for that was the cross. The remedy for their sin is the cross. And Jesus paid it all. Jesus took it all on the cross. All of their shame, all of their guilt is all taken on the cross. I pray, Lord, here and now, in this moment, somebody in this room may need to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray right now that they confess their sins and believe that you truly died for them and that you resurrected out of the grave for them so that they can be forgiven and so that they can have eternal life. I pray right now that they receive you right now. A simple confession of I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior come into my heart come into my heart forgive me and I make you I make you from this day forward I make you the Lord of my life God for those that aren't here for those that aren't in this room I pray that you give each one here the boldness to want to invite them, even in this time of year, so easy in this time of year, Easter season, to invite them to come and to engage with us in this place. I pray that you give them that courage to do that.
to go private from private to public. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.